I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. Now, don't you dare call it electronic bovine infrastructure. That there is a mechanical bull. It's noon for Friday, June 25th, 2021. Follow the podcast on the Telegram Messenger app at t.me slash I'm your moderator or join the discussion thread at t.me slash I'm reasonable. You can also occasionally find me on Gab at I'm your moderator and the merch site is www.cancelcotour.com. And I just want to say thank you for everyone who has left ratings on Apple Podcasts and reviews, everyone who is sharing the show on Telegram and elsewhere, especially my anonymous friend and patriot, The Storm Has Arrived 17. He always brings new listeners to my show, and I cannot even describe how much I appreciate that. And thank you to whoever is supporting the show by hitting the merch site or donating on Substack or on Anchor.fm or wherever else. Thank you all for the support. It means a lot. Today is the 156th day of Barack Obama's third term as served by the half-dead, demented, degenerate, ventriloquist, dummy, fake proxy president, Joe Biden, who is overwhelmingly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party, the patriarch of one of the most corrupt families in American history and the father of one of the most despicable sons to ever walk the earth. That's Hunter Biden. So congratulations, communists. You tried to put one over on the entire world thinking it would work because everyone is as ignorant as you are, but it turns out that other people actually pay attention to the details of their lives and would never fall for anything so ridiculous. And I know that somewhere deep down, you want to pretend that all of what I just said is wrong and that everything you believe actually is right. Joe Biden really got 81 million votes and he really is a legitimate president. And there really was a very violent insurrection and COVID was very, very dangerous and masks worked like a charm. Not well enough to actually prevent anyone from getting COVID, but they still work. And same thing with lockdowns and George Floyd really was murdered. There really are just racist cops everywhere. And Joe Biden is a return to normalcy and not a demented old pervert and criminal. Except the problem is you're actually wrong about all of that. And everyone besides you commies can see it clearly. No one even questions it. Everyone else is like, yeah, that's the most obvious stuff in the world. How is it that anyone doesn't know it? And that's a great question, commies. I would love for all of you to someday answer that. How is it that none of you can see the most obvious stuff in the world? Do you want it to come over to your house for tea? Would that convince you? Would it convince you if the truth knocked on your door and then came into your house sat down, you know, around the dining table or perhaps in the breakfast nook or maybe just on your favorite couch and had tea with you and was like, hey, I'm the truth. You can see me now, right? Would that work, commies? I kind of still feel like it wouldn't. Got to be like 30% of you, you know, that 30% that is very afraid of forensic audits and doesn't want them to happen, even though 70% of the rest of the country is just fine with it. Isn't that strange? A strange feeling, commies? Knowing that this massive moral majority you felt like you were part of is now disintegrating before your eyes 
to the point where you are starting to realize, whoa, these real people in the real world, they don't believe any of this shit that I see on television. Man, that's kind of scary, isn't it, commies? Now, it's not that I want you to be scared, commies. I just want you to migrate back to America by leaving all these stupid, evil communist thoughts behind. And now that I've said that, I would be remiss not to extend a warm Friday high noon welcome to all the redeemable communists out there. Hello, commies. Welcome to the show. Maybe you're only hearing this because you just got into your smart friend's car and they forgot to turn this off before you got in. But if that's the case, don't make them turn it off. Just keep listening. I promise you're going to be okay. You just got to migrate back to America. All good. So today, uh, fake attorney general Merrick Garland came out and announced that the federal government was suing the state of Georgia after the state of Georgia passed laws to try to ensure at least more election integrity. The Georgia laws don't nearly go far enough. And with the people they still have in power in Georgia, there is no reason to believe that these laws will accomplish the goal of securing elections, certainly not on their own. As long as Brad Raffensperger is there, as long as Brian Kemp is there, as long as corrupt members of the state Senate and legislature are still there, as long as Stacey Abrams still works with happy faces and they're still hiring all the election workers who can process the fraud in real time. And as long as human election fraud machine Stacey Abrams walks free, there's no reason to believe that any number of these laws could possibly fix the problems down there. But nonetheless, Merrick Garland has targeted Georgia to try to overthrow their voter ID laws. And his explanation is that there is an equal protection issue here and that these laws were targeted directly at black voters to prevent them from voting because Merrick Garland believes that somehow black people are unable to get ID. And we've gone through that a million times. But not only is it ridiculous and racist to think that black people can't get ID, Black people don't even agree with the idea. Black people are actually in favor of voter ID because black people are Americans, too. And black people also care about election integrity. Isn't that shocking, commies? Isn't it shocking, commies, that black people don't actually believe everything you believe just because the thing you say you believe is supposed to help black people who apparently you think are unable to help themselves. Doesn't that strike you as strange commies? This isn't how you thought it was going to work out, right? Like it would have never been a good plan as a total anti-racist, as you must of course be to do something to help black people that black people actually don't want you to do. If you're trying to do something for someone that that person doesn't want, then you're really not helping, are you? Unless you're going to take the position that you know best, better than them, about their own needs and desires. But there's probably no point in going too deep into that because I think that everything I just said is now kind of becoming the common understanding about this voter ID issue. We're just simply not where we were five years ago, where someone can scream racism, even though racism has nothing to do with the situation whatsoever and still have society believe it. We're past that point. These narratives simply don't work because the public doesn't believe them anymore. They might make for some good news headlines Cable news will go off about it. They'll pretend that Merrick Garland is doing the right thing and fighting a very just battle. But people don't believe it anymore because people aren't stupid. And that, of course, includes black Americans who think that this is nonsense. And I'm not just making that up. There was another poll taken this week 
by Monmouth. And in that poll, they found 80% of respondents said they support the voter ID requirement. That's 80% of Americans support voter ID with only 18% opposing it. So less than one out of every five Americans actually agrees with Merrick Garland's stance on this. That's where Merrick Garland and the fake regime's Department of Justice is starting from. That's their starting point. They've only got one out of five people. So that's not even 50% of Democrats. How desperate do you have to be to try to retake the election fraud narrative and the elections in general narrative by promoting an idea that the overwhelming majority of Americans do not agree with. And now you might say, well, yeah, 80% okay. But what do black Americans think? Well, in that same Monmouth poll, they found that 84% of the respondents who identified as Hispanic, black, Asian, or other, 84% support voter ID. So that is actually even higher than the public at large. So the non-white population in America is more in favor of voter ID than white Americans. Now, isn't that stunning? We are told that this is all being done for the benefit of minority voters. But minority voters are the least inclined to believe that commie bullshit. And we have seen before over the last couple of years with some polling and some studies that white liberals are by and large the only people who buy into all this race baiting, racial division nonsense. And when you think about functionally what Merrick Garland is proposing, is it really that hard to be like, oh yeah, yeah, the Democrat Communist Party is absolutely a hate movement. They are trying to put a stop to these voter ID laws because voter ID is one of the best ways to make it difficult for them to continue to steal elections by primarily stealing the votes of black and brown Americans. And sorry, commies, that's you guys doing that. You can cry and scream all day long and pretend that voter ID is somehow racist but voter ID is required in almost every part of the world that holds free and fair elections. This is the only country dumb enough to pursue the opposite strategy. And when I say dumb enough, that's aimed at you commies. Because you're the ones who actually have this total bizarro world backwards view and you have that view while patting yourselves on the back for being smart and conscientious. And that, my friends, is very, very dumb. I am often amazed that these people have so little self-awareness, so little understanding of what happens outside the commie bubble that they actually think anyone buys this. This is one of the most racist things imaginable and it's the government doing it they are trying to make it easy to steal elections by stealing the votes of black americans and they're telling him it's all for them even though they don't want it and we're supposed to pretend that's that that's not one of the most racist things imaginable but it is now a lot of people are commenting today about how this lawsuit by Merrick Garland, the fact that he's bringing up the idea that there might be criminal violations here, that this is all to threaten the states that are thinking about making their 
elections a little more secure or the states that are considering doing audits on the November 3rd, 2020 election. And Georgia will probably have to audit the January 5th election, too, eventually. But I'm not sure it's just about that, okay? because they just saw their election integrity for the People Act go down in flames this week. It's not happening. H.R. 1 and S. 1. Every element of the law that they were trying to get passed would have made elections less secure. It would have made it easier to cheat in the future. Pretty much forever. But that failed. So what it seems to me like they're trying to do, and this is just my read on it. Maybe this is a a factor and the other thing's a factor. Or maybe I'm wrong, but I don't think so. It's not something that we can immediately know right now. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But this seems like an attempt to get one of the key parts of H.R. 1 passed into law by forcing the courts to do it, right? So if this case goes through, if there actually is litigation on this or a decision or a settlement or something, then they're trying to smuggle the prevention of voter ID usage into law through what the courts might do. Right. Because that's the key issue that Garland is going after here. And so what he's trying to do is have the court decide that Georgia and other states cannot pass laws requiring voter ID. Even though many of them already have. So how do you get rid of all those laws? Well, the first attempt was the H.R. 1 S1 attempt. They wanted to write into law that no place could use voter ID and they wanted ballot harvesting, universal mail in balloting, all of that. But the voter ID, like I said, this is key, right? If an actual person has to have an actual ID and they go to vote with that ID, well, it's an awful lot harder to get hundreds of thousands of fake votes into the system. So this is one of the key elements. And I imagine at some point they'll probably try to go after the mail-in voting thing and the ballot harvesting thing. Until this fake regime is removed from power, they're going to keep trying to figure out ways that they might be able to win even one more election ever again. Now, recall last April, I said on this podcast and maybe even in writing that the media presenting everything, particularly COVID, through the lens of whether or not it helped Donald Trump or whether or not it hurt Donald Trump, that would be the end of them because people would realize it. The whole media myth would just fall apart. The Democrat Party would fall apart. All of this, this entire nonsense dystopia that they are building would just come crumbling down. And the Democrat Party would be over and the media would be over. And I have no reason to doubt that prediction. We are still well on that road. But everything, everything right now is moving in our direction. The country is moving in our direction. Does anyone think that 15 months from now, people are going to go out and try to elect Democrats? No. Democrats are losing support every single day. All of these important polls are moving in our direction. And you can see public sentiment moving in our direction. You can feel it. You can sense it if you are out talking to people on any regular basis. The myth is fading away. People are seeing through it more and more each day. So how are they ever going to win another election? They got smoked last time. They were literally stealing the last election and still didn't get the results they wanted because Trump had such long coattails and the red wave was so big. So what else do they have? They are so desperate at this point that they're going to try to have the courts create this law, essentially, because if the courts bar Georgia, from passing voter ID laws on the basis of equal protection, then that would 
be precedent for the other states around the country, right? And then if no states can pass voter ID laws, the Democrats would get one of their critical elements of H.R. 1 passed into law without any legislature acting. It's possible that if Garland's DOJ finds the right judges and files at the right court, which I imagine they are all over, they might get a decision in their favor, which would eventually be reversed somewhere down the line because this entire, entire case is based on nothing, including the will of black Americans, because this is entirely in opposition to what black Americans want, the majority at least, if you can trust these polls. So they can't get the law they want passed. How do they get it onto the books? They use the courts. And, you know, Phil Klein, I talked about this months and months ago when Phil Klein did that amazing press conference about Facebook and CTCL and all of the machinations by which the states changed their voting laws last year in the run-up to the election. And one thing that Phil Klein talked about was these friendly lawsuits where the two parties would, in essence, agree about what the settlement would be. The lawsuit is filed. The other party agrees to the settlement. The court signs off on it. And now all of a sudden we have a new voting regulation, even though the legislatures did not pass it. This is an end around. This is a cheat. This is what they're hoping for. They want to prevent voter ID from being implemented all across the country. And they know they can't get it done through the constitutional process with the legislator, the legislature writing the laws. So they're trying to backdoor it and have the court approve of their position. And they might be able to delay this until after the 2022 election. And you have to assume that's what they're going for. All of this stuff is just delay tactic, delay tactic, delay tactic. Yesterday in the afternoon, Judge Amaro in Georgia said that the examination of 147,000 ballots in Fulton County could go ahead. That's the Garland Favorito case. Now, they were supposed to get their hands on those ballots or maybe it's ballot images on May 28th and the criminal defense attorneys that Fulton County hired got that delayed until this week. The hearing was on Monday. The decision came down yesterday. So today's June 25th. They have already delayed that process by four weeks. But upon the decision yesterday, they now have another 30 days before that process begins. So what we have is a two month delay. They brought the criminal defense attorneys in. They made some more filings and they got two extra months before Favorito's people can examine those ballots and understand what most people already understand. And that's that Fulton County's election was an absolute disaster and there were crimes committed there. It was fraud. So 30 days passes, then the examination period starts, then they get some answers. Then it leads to the next step in the case, and it just goes on and on and on and on and on, which is, again, why I always talk about how important public sentiment is apart from the process stuff, right? Because if we're going to go through the process on each and every one of these states, that could take forever. And the delay tactics are one of the communists' best ploys. That's almost all they have left. But it really does slow down the process. Their strategy is obviously rather than taking these cases head on and having them decided by the evidence, they're trying to find different legal loopholes to either get cases dismissed or just delay them interminably. And so that's what we have happening. Now, the Arizona audit has finished with the examination of ballots that just ended this afternoon. And OAN's Christina Bob, she's reporting that there will be a preliminary report on the Arizona audit come Monday of next week. 
right? So this is what I, kind of what I was talking about two weeks ago. I don't know what's going to be in the preliminary report, but I got to think there's going to be something in there about missing ballots and fake ballots. I can't imagine what else the point of giving a preliminary report would be considering what it is they've examined so far. And elements of the audit are ongoing, and then the final report will be prepared, and we're supposed to get that sometime in August. But as I was saying two weeks ago, when the initial hand count ended, we could be getting a key piece of information on Monday. And a lot of things do seem like they're coming to a head. Donald Trump has a rally in Ohio tomorrow. The first rally since, I guess, what would it have been? January 4th, the day before the Georgia runoff. There are pictures that have been put out of the setup for tomorrow, and it looks like they are expecting a massive crowd. I wouldn't be surprised in the least if this was as big or bigger than the crowd in Butler, Pennsylvania before the general election, and I think at that one they had 58,000 people. If they have anything like that tomorrow, who boy. How is it going to look when Donald Trump can attract 60,000 people to a rally while Kamala Harris goes down to the wrong place along the Texas border with Mexico, and the only thing waiting for her are Trump supporters with American flags, Trump flags, and signs about how Kamala Harris knows that Trump won. So my expectation tomorrow is that Trump is going to completely retake control of the narrative. He stepped away in January and remained pretty quiet for a while. It's been five months now, and he gave the speech at CPAC, he gave a speech a few weeks ago in front of the North Carolina GOP. But beyond that, it's been occasional television interviews and the statements from the desk of Donald Trump. But that's been about it. I think that that period is over. Trump has a few rallies scheduled. And each one of them is going to substantially advance the narrative. And it's going to show the country the actual support is behind the real president. Doesn't matter what the media says. Doesn't matter what Twitter says. Doesn't matter what the corporations do. Merrick Garland's silly threats are all going to fall on deaf ears. Trump is going to totally retake the narrative and begin driving it again. And the media will have no choice but to cover it because they are failing on every imaginable level. I will not be surprised if Donald Trump says something tomorrow that pushes us into the next phase of understanding exactly what's happening right now. Trump has substantially more control than I think he's letting on. That's my view. He said in an interview this morning on Newsmax, that he is going to do something next week to break the control of big tech. Now, I don't know what he's going to do. Maybe he's just going to announce his platform, right? They've hinted about a Trump-run social media platform for quite a while. And it's hard to understand exactly what that's going to be. Jason Miller has made statements to the effect that he has his own social media project that's separate from Trump. And we don't all know what to make of that. It's impossible to know yet. Uncertainty, like I talked about yesterday. I think we might get some certainty there, though. And it seems at least possible to me that what Trump might be doing is getting back on one of these legacy platforms or perhaps steering all the attention to a different platform that has been around for a while. I have always had this sneaking suspicion that he might potentially move to Gab because Gab seems like a platform that is ready to ramp up like that. And Trump has always had a verified 
profile on Gab and the Donald Trump profile posts Donald Trump statements. I don't know who's running it, right? This is just pure speculation. It's just something I think about that I'm choosing to share, okay? I don't have any special knowledge on this. But it's worth asking ourselves, what could Trump be talking about? What does he have the capability to do with these social media platforms? And if you'll remember back to January, maybe even December, when a lot of us were talking about the executive order, I think it's uh, 13848, about foreign interference in our elections, that executive order gave the government the ability to seize the assets of any entity that was involved with interference in our election on behalf of a foreign country. And all the social media platforms fit that standard. We know for a fact that the social media platforms have censored one side of the political spectrum. They have censored Donald Trump and they do work in concert with foreign nations. So I cannot wait to see how this plays out. But I have a feeling there's going to be some big news coming out of that press conference tomorrow. And the fact that the preliminary report on Arizona is going to be put out on Monday. That's a lot going on in a very short amount of time. And back to what I was saying two weeks ago. If what they release in that preliminary report is the fact that Arizona, Maricopa County specifically, is missing hundreds of thousands of ballots. And there's no way that Joe Biden won Arizona. If Trump announces something about that tomorrow, that is going to change the game. And I just want to mention one other thing about what's happening in Georgia. Now that Judge Amaro has ruled to allow the ballot examination in Fulton County to proceed. I mentioned last week or maybe the week before on the show that the depositions of Ruby Freeman and Wandria Shea Moss had been delayed and that the decision on deposing them would be made after this decision that came down this week. So in the next couple of weeks, we could see the depositions of Ruby Freeman and her daughter who were both involved in obvious election fraud on video in Fulton County. What happens when that comes out? Because we know that was fraud. It was on video. The deposition is going to prove conclusively that fraud actually did happen there. So in a very short amount of time, we may figure out Arizona is absolutely done for and that Georgia is as well. And again, I know I'm optimistic about this stuff. Could take longer than I'm saying. I hope it doesn't. I know we all hope that. But we know what the truth is, and we know we are on the way to the truth. We are getting very, very close. What would prevent Donald Trump from talking about this tomorrow? Are we supposed to pretend he doesn't know? Of course he knows. Now, I'm not saying he'll definitely say it. Maybe he wants to seem totally hands off. And he's just going to let the Arizona stuff play out on whatever timeline it plays out on. But I think things might be about to get crazy. And today at the gym, I was thinking about all of this. You know, we've had this five month period where Donald Trump peacefully left office and let the fake regime take over. And he stayed quiet and he has let the country move forward without him being the impetus for that forward movement. The states have begun taking back their control on all sorts of issues from gun rights to immigration to election integrity. All that stuff was necessary. It is incredible that this firewall in the red states has been built from the bottom up. That sort of thing probably couldn't have happened if Donald Trump stayed in office 
and made the moves necessary to do that. And we keep finding out more and more elements of the government are utterly corrupt. And we couldn't have done that if Donald Trump attempted to use the military or stay in office, something to that effect. We couldn't have had all the information we have now. And I know that that answer isn't satisfying to a lot of people, but consider this. Donald Trump already spent four years in the presidency and that entire time he was beset with traitors to the country and traitors to the presidency. He was being undermined at every turn. And the people undermining him weren't always successful. He still did get a lot done. But imagine how much he would have gotten done if people weren't undermining him. People in his own administration, people in the Republican Party, the Romneys, and other rhino commies, fake MAGA people, people who were using MAGA to get paid and advance their own political careers or media careers. But now we know who all those people are. And we can figure out how to remove them. If Donald Trump just remained in office, he would have had another four years, potentially, with any number of people continuing to undermine him and the media constantly fighting him at every turn. And the people of the country wouldn't know the full extent of the compromise. How does Donald Trump advance the America First agenda from 2021 to 2025 if he still has all these traitors within his own government, all these wolves in sheep's clothing that he had to deal with for the first four years? It's totally possible that he wanted the rest of them to be exposed. He wanted the country to stand up on its own so that his agenda could actually be implemented. And I don't see how you get there if he had just used all the resources at his disposal to stay in office. And again, I know it's frustrating and I know some people just don't have the faith to believe it. But we may be getting the best of all possible worlds and doing it without a civil war, which should always have been the goal. And I think was the goal. And I think it was a conscious goal that they worked toward. Maybe this was the only way to do it. I'm totally open to that. In fact, I'm convinced of that, though I know many people are not. Now, switching subjects slightly, I want to have a look at this Daily Beast article from yesterday. It's by a guy named Justin Barragona, who apparently has a very bad website where he does very bad political analysis, and that is enough for him to become a contributing editor at the Daily Beast. And this headline is OAN goes full fascist calls for mass executions over election fraud. So just with that headline, you can see how ridiculous this is going to be, but it actually gets much, much worse. One American news personality, Pearson Sharp, unleashed an openly fascistic fantasy this week, calling for the mass execution of Thousands of Americans, based on his belief in the outright false claim that widespread voter fraud amounted to a coup against former President Donald Trump. And if you go read this article, you can see how I am editing terrible writing on the fly because it's so very bad. Since last November's election, in which Joe Biden handily defeated Trump, OAN has led the charge in peddling unhinged conspiracy theories in order to push the ex-president's big lie that the election was stolen from him. In recent weeks, the Fringe Network has sponsored the so-called Arizona election audit with OAN host Christina Bob fundraising for the effort while also serving as a legal advisor to Trump. And isn't that amazing? Joe Biden handily defeated Trump? Is that what happened? He can only say this because they invented all these millions of votes out of nothing. Seven million votes. That's how much we're told Joe Biden won by. 
But five million of those came from California. Even with the cheating, he barely won in any of these states. One thing Joe Biden did not do last fall was handily defeat Donald Trump. This is straight up propaganda. This is like a North Korean news outlet publishing a story about how Kim Jong-un tallied 18 consecutive hole-in-ones in a golf match. It's no different. This is that level of insanity. The GOP-led recount in Arizona, a state Biden narrowly won, has led right-wing media figures to push for other audits in battleground states that Trump lost, resulting in the false belief that the ex-president will eventually be reinstated this summer. Trump has, naturally, latched on to this insane theory. Hey, commie, this is not an insane theory. This is what a sane country would expect when it is proven beyond any shadow of a doubt that the person pretending to be president right now did not win the election and was installed nonetheless. During an on-air essay that first aired Tuesday night, Sharp, who has repeatedly lied about the 2020 election and the January 6th insurrection, embraced these latest attempts to discredit Biden's victory to call for harsh retribution against Democrats. Okay, that's not what he said. This is not retribution. This is criminals being convicted for crimes and then punished for their crimes in the manner the law prescribes. Citing long debunked claims that there were widespread problems with voting integrity in 2020, Sharp claimed that the radical Democrats left fingerprints all over the country, providing a trail of evidence that the 2020 election was not only tampered with, it was actually overthrown. He then said this raises questions over the level of involvement in the non-existent election fraud. These writers, these commie writers really do amaze me. And I've talked about this before. It is incredible to me that they are choosing to hitch themselves to this narrative. As the narrative falls apart, like Justin Barragona, hey, Kami, you are not the captain. You are not actually required to go down with this ship, but it's amazing and entertaining that you are choosing to. And as for long debunked claims, the duration of time for which these claims are debunked actually has no bearing on anything. Just because you believe these claims have been debunked for seven months does not actually mean that the claims are really debunked. It just means you believe the first thing that they told you and you've stuck with that. There hasn't been any new debunking of these claims, despite what the commies in the Michigan State Senate would now have you believe. There has been no more justification for the assertion that Joe Biden really did get 81 million votes, that he handily won the election. There's no new information along those lines. The only debunking available and the only debunking that these commies depend on is the false notion that the CISA statement about the election being the most secure in history was accurate. That Barr's statement about not seeing the evidence of widespread election fraud being accurate. The idea that judges who didn't bother looking at the evidence had thrown out the cases. That's it. That's the debunking. It doesn't matter how long ago it happened. The length of time does not provide more support for the debunking. This is crazy. Like these people are just burning their reputation. And now I get it. This commie does not have a reputation and no one, including all of you and me, would have ever known who he is aside from this ridiculous piece. But this is what the Daily Beast wants to publish. And this is what this blogger apparently thinks is a good career move. They're both going to be really wrong. How many people were involved in these efforts to undermine the election? 
Hundreds, thousands, tens of thousands? Sharp dramatically asked. How many people does it take to carry out a coup against the presidency? Those are great questions. They're questions I've asked on here all the time. It's definitely tens of thousands. It may even be hundreds of thousands. That's how many people know what they did in the process of defrauding the American public and stealing the 2020 election. It's a lot of people. The OAN windbag continued. When all the dust settles from the audit in Arizona and the potential audits in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Nevada, and Wisconsin, what happens to all these people who are responsible for overthrowing the election? What are the consequences for traitors who meddled with our sacred democratic process and tried to steal power by taking away the voices of the American people? What happens to them? In a hauntingly calm manner, Sharp answered his own question. Well, in the past, America had a very good solution for dealing with such traitors. Execution, he bluntly declared. Treason is considered the highest of all crimes and is the only crime defined in the U.S. Constitution, which states that anyone is guilty of treason if they support America's enemies, Sharp added. So far, there have been numerous indications that foreign governments, including China and Pakistan, meddled in our election to install Joe Biden as president, he concluded. Any Americans involved in these efforts, from those who ran the voting machines to the very highest government officials, is guilty of treason under U.S. Code 2381, which carries with it the penalty of death. And again, he's totally right, and I've said the very same thing for months and months and months and months and months. I'm the guy who said in January that every single person in a position of public power who had the ability to influence this election and failed to object to the installation of an illegitimate president on the basis of widespread overwhelming evidence of election fraud should be guilty of treason. And I still believe that every bit as much as I did then we should have Maybe 60 congressmen left after this all sorts itself out. Maybe two senators left. And that's it. All those people are guilty. All the people in the state legislatures who fought against this are guilty. Every single person involved in benefiting from this corrupt system of stolen elections is guilty. One American News did not respond to a request for further clarification of Sharp's remarks, appearing to call for mass executions. Now, again, this is a complete rewriting of what was just said. He's not asking for people to be round up, rounded up and summarily killed. He's saying that when the evidence comes that these people were involved in the overthrow of a free and fair election in America, they should be tried and if they are found guilty, then they should be punished as the Constitution prescribes. What is so difficult about understanding that? If someone commits the act of murder, and that is proven beyond a shadow of a doubt, then that person should be punished as the law prescribes. That's why we have laws. That's why we have penalties written into the law. And they tried this same trick when Lynn Wood said that this should be the penalty to Mike Pence for committing treason. And when protesters at the Capitol on January 6th said the same things, they were treated the same way as if they were just asking for violence in the streets or a violent overthrow of government. That's not what Pearson Sharp is advocating for. That's not what anyone is advocating for. In a comment to Talking Point's memo, however, Sharp asserted that neither I nor OAN are suggesting anyone should be executed. That is for the appropriate law enforcement agencies to determine. Pretty straightforward. No. Oh, no, I guess it's not, Kami, right? Because that doesn't actually serve your purposes. He went on to add that OAN is simply pointing out that if election fraud is proven, then it could very well constitute treason. And according to our laws, treason is punishable by death. After first sharing the clip of Sharp's essay online, the Daily Beast's Will Summer noted that adherents of dangerous far-right conspiracy QAnon see this commentary as proof that the mass executions are right around the corner. Now, 
No one is saying that except for the Daily Beast's Will Summer, who is a communist and who is writing a book about QAnon, a subject he apparently knows not one goddamn thing about. Q followers have long waited for prominent Democrats who they believe to be part of a satanic child sex cabal to be executed en masse. Again, that's not it, guy. <laughs> Why not just try to understand the subject matter and understand what people are saying rather than continuing to repeat the thing that communists say they're saying? Meanwhile, as Sharp contends that other audits will finally provide overwhelming proof of widespread voter fraud, a new report spearheaded by Michigan Republicans comprehensively debunks the array of false election claims made by Trump, his legal team and other right wing figures. The report even calls for the state's attorney general to consider investigating those who peddle false information about vote counts in the state to raise money or publicity for their own ends. So. Justin Barragona, if you go to his profile page on the Daily Beast, they have his website listed. And then at the end of his little blurb, it says you can send tips and hate mail to Justin.Barragona at gmail.com. So I'm going to email this communist and say, hey, communist, why don't you come on the podcast and we can talk about the veracity of the election fraud claims? I would love for you to do that. And maybe you can share how the election fraud claims were debunked without appealing to any false authority. I want Justin Barragona in his own words and his own view from his own research to tell me why the claims are false. And of course, he's not going to be able to do that. He's going to refer to exactly the things he referred to in this. This person said this. That person said that the Michigan Senate just said no. And then he would deflect to how dangerous all of these claims are. What's actually dangerous is pretending that these claims are invalid. Because right now, we have a person pretending to be president who was not elected. There is nothing more dangerous than that. And counterintuitively, we may actually be better off that this illegitimate president is in cahoots with our enemies because otherwise they could just come attack us because the illegitimate president is also totally feckless and obviously in severe mental decline, not that he had a great starting point. If they actually wanted to attack us in the kinetic sense, we would be virtually defenseless because the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff is more concerned with figuring out what white rage is and exploiting the false narrative about January 6th in the process. That's dangerous. That's actual danger. The chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff has turned his attention into the political persecution of American citizens who are willing to stand up and say that guy did not win the election. And now, finally, in one further act of desperation, they are reporting, NBC News is reporting, that Cy Vance in New York is expected to bring criminal charges against the Trump organization next week. And this is a snippet from the Gateway Pundit story. The Trump organization is expected to be hit with criminal charges next week by crooked Manhattan DA Cy Vance's office. The case is tied to tax related conduct amid claims Trump organization employees illegally received tax free perks such as apartments and car leases, according to NBC News. These types of cases are almost never pursued, but the witch hunt of Trump and everyone connected to him never ends. It looks like they are going to come down with charges against the company, and that is completely outrageous. Ron Fischetti, an attorney for the Trumps, said after the development was first reported by the New York Times. I've been practicing for over 50 years, and I've never seen a case like this. Fischetti said that the corporate office will plead not guilty, and we will make an immediate motion to dismiss the case against the corporation. This, again, is absolute desperation. 
Consider it this way. They have been saying that Trump is guilty of a series of crimes for six years. And finally, they're actually going to try to bring criminal charges somehow. And this is what they have. This is what they found on Trump, right? Zero, actually, on Trump. But they're going to try to get his organization and make it seem like Trump is some sort of criminal. They're actually going to try this based on tax-related conduct that employees illegally received tax-free perks such as apartments and car leases. This is the best they have to try to stop what's happening right now. But the truth is that nothing is going to stop what's happening right now. The American public's eyes are opening. The entire narrative is falling apart and no one trusts the media to tell them the truth. So no one believes any of these new narratives that they try to put up. We are dismantling these narratives as fast as they're bringing them out. They might get one news day if Cy Vance decides to go forward with this. But then after that, it's just going to be stories about how corrupt all of this is. And we will just expose more and more and more and more of them. They are completely screwed. Nothing can stop what is coming. And tomorrow is going to be a big new step in that process, I think, and I hope. So we will see. I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns do not work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Come on. Whether you're a total newbie to podcasting or even if you've had a show before like me, you know how intimidating it can be to start your show. The tech side especially can be daunting. That's why I'm so grateful Anchor exists. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. They knock down all the barriers to entry. Let me explain. First off, it's free. I don't know how or why, but I'm happy about it. The platform's great. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. I can't even begin to describe how much easier it was to get my show on all the major platforms this time than it was a few years ago. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. That's right. You build your show, you make money. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, and the company is committed to the success of its content creators. Go download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks for listening. Please follow the podcast on Instagram and Parlor at I'm Your Moderator. Soon I'll be up on Rumble with a video aspect. In the meantime, if you'd like to support the show, I have a Substack, I'm Your Moderator.substack.com, where you can donate. Or you can donate at anchor.fm by searching Be Reasonable with your moderator, Chris Paul. I hope to see you soon. Back out on the rain. Backing as moderator for tonight's broadcast. In my mind, that's the end game. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to follow what I'm reading and thinking throughout the day, you can do that by downloading the Telegram Messenger app and going to t.me slash I'm your moderator. On social media, you can follow me on Truth Social, Getter, and Gab at I'm your moderator. I also have channels on Rumble and BitChute. If you'd like to follow the writing, you can find me at I'm your moderator.substack.com. The merch site is cancelcouture.com or go direct shop.spreadshirt.com slash cancel dash couture. If you'd like to support the podcast financially, the best place to do that is Kofi. Go to ko-fi.com slash I'm your moderator. And all of these details will appear in the show notes with each episode. I'll see you soon down on the range.
It's hell!